This Dharma talk was recorded at Prairie Mountain Zen Center in Longmont, Colorado. Well, good evening again, everyone, and welcome to Prairie Mountain Zen Center. This is our third in our six-week fall 2023 class on Ehe Dogen's fascicle, Genjo Koan. Thank you again, Jodo Cliff, for supporting our practice and study here at Prairie Mountain. Already, we have studied Dogen Zenji and the opening of this fascicle, the first and perhaps most important fascicle in his masterwork, Shobogenzo, the treasury of the true Dharma I. We have seen and understood how the opening of Genjo Koan presents the Buddha way from three important perspectives, each of them orienting us to our practice, to deepen our practice in particular unique and penetrating ways. First, we learn and absorb the original teachings of Buddha, which is to say the four noble truths, suffering, a cause of suffering, an end to suffering, and a path to follow. And along with these initial teachings, we understand the three poisons, attraction or desire, aversion, and delusion or ignorance. Proceeding further, we ground ourselves in equanimity and observe the fundamental emptiness of self and other, which is to say the later Mahayana Buddhist teachings of emptiness that open us into an intimate understanding of impermanence leading to abiding compassion and a profound kind of wisdom insight. Finally, Dogen presents his own synthesis to push us on the boundless path of what he calls practice enlightenment, whereon all the same, flowers fall and weeds spread, an endless path of interbeing with awakening, the interaction of the relative and absolute self entering all Dharma gates forever, helping all beings cross out of the sufferings in samsara to practice awakening nirvana. The second paragraph or section in Genjo Koan addresses the habitually perceived divide between what he calls sentient beings on one hand and Buddhas on the other. Dogen writes, to carry oneself forward and experience myriad things is delusion. That myriad things come forth and experience themselves is awakening. Dogen pushes us, practitioners, towards realization of this key yet subtle distinction. Last week in class two, we discussed how our consciousness is deeply conditioned so that we frequently fail to perceive exactly how we carry the self forward through body, speech, and mind. And this is why Zazen is at the center of practice. By sitting upright in concentrated stillness and silence, we settle. And equanimity is allowed to develop alongside a kind of honest, objective truth that gives us insight into the delusions or misunderstandings of what we call the self. 
Like any good teacher, Dogen addresses both elements, the study of the self and the letting go of the self. Part of what makes Gendro Khan unique, makes it different in some ways from Dogen's other fascicles, is his continued use of the second person, you. He states, when you first see forms or hear sounds, fully engaging body and mind, you grasp things directly. When you first seek Dharma, you imagine you are far away from its environs, but Dharma is already correctly transmitted. You are immediately your original self. When you ride in a boat and watch the shore, you might assume that the shore is moving. But when you keep your eyes closely on the boat, you can see that the boat moves. Similarly, if you examine myriad things with a confused body and mind, you might suppose that your mind and nature are permanent. When you practice intimately and return to where you are, it will be clear nothing at all has unchanging self. So these passages are still pretty early on in, in the fascicle, in the Genjo Koan. While both earlier fascicles, Fukan Sazengi, actualizing uh, 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 universal recommendations for Zazen, and Bendua, the wholehearted way, have similar instructional moments. Genjo Koan insists on what Dogen says sits at the center of practice. To study the Buddha way is to study this self. And to study this self is to forget this self. And this part is the maybe often the confusing part because he goes on to say to forget the self is to be actualized by myriad things. It's not that we get somehow fuzzy-minded or absent-minded and forget who we are, but rather our study is so concentrated and focused that we're really allowing ourselves to look at sensations in the body, emotions of aversion or attraction and desire, or simply neutrality arising. We watch the habits of mind and the power of mind states arising. And in this study of the self is what Dogen calls to forget the self, that we really understand that it's arising and passing all the time. So he goes on to say, when actualized by myriad things, your body and mind, as well as the bodies and minds of others, drop away. In other words, concentrated practice enables us to see into this emptiness of what we typically grasp tightly as a self and our habit of perceiving that in others as well. As Dogen says, to study the Buddha way is to practice intimately, which is to say to return to where you are, here and now, present moment, which is another way of saying be completely present with what is arising right here, right now, body, heart, mind, within and without. And this is why Zen training is comprehensive. Moment 
moment-to-moment immersion. We develop and deepen our concentration first by Zazen. Then we carry Zazen mind off the cushion to study further the self moment by moment, sitting, standing, walking, lying down. And this is also why in-person practice, like in our temples or zendos, is so powerful and so helpful because of how we bump into one another, how we meet and manifest both our relative and absolute self. And we get to see it manifesting and dissolving, dropping away, reforming again and again and again. Those concentrated spaces that we set aside for this kind of shared practice help us in this way. And so because of this moment-by-moment concentrated practice, this is why Genjo Khan insists on temporal instruction, repeating the keyword when over and over. And it is also why Genjo Khan insists on a kind of geographic instruction. When you first seek Dharma, you think you are far away from its environs, they were distant. It's somewhere over there in Timbuktu, maybe. When you return to where you are, it will be clear that nothing at all has unchanging self. So in other words, Dogen's instruction thrusts us back into space and time, which is to say he thrusts us into the only moment and place we can be here and now. The entire fascicle starts with an assertion, as all things are Buddha Dharma, which is to say it frames its assertions in an understanding of no separate self. To carry oneself forward and experience many things is delusion. Yet he demonstrates to us how we do this again and again, even as we engage this study of the self. This helps explain Dogen's analogy of the boat and the shore. Most of the time, we watch the shore. We're looking over there. Another way of saying that is our attention is focused outward on, as Dogen would say, myriad things. So we carry the self forward in this way and experience the myriad things outside ourselves. But Dogen declares, when you keep your eyes closely on the boat, you can see that the boat moves. This is Dogen's way of indicating our dynamic processes how we are never still, body, speech, and mind, immersed in impermanence within and without, even as we constantly carry the self forward, creating suffering in ourselves and others in the world. We misperceive reality fundamentally in this way, again and again. And Dogen defines our problem. Our suffering. If you examine myriad things with a confused body and mind, you might suppose your mind and nature are permanent. We are confused. Moment by moment, we reconfirm this habituated way of seeing self and other. Yet we cannot awaken without this separate limited self, even though we also fall back consistently into its limited view, the habituated consciousness. And that suffering of samsara. Partly this is because we are always limited mortal beings. We talked about how Norman Fisher characterizes that 
kind of suffering that we experience. Our intimacy with our impermanence is part of our suffering. Yeah, we do go forward further with our body, but especially our mind, in supposing that mind and nature, the nature of self, are enduring or permanent. Yeah, remember, Dogen also asserts when Buddhas are truly Buddhas, they do not necessarily notice that they are Buddhas. And furthermore, that no trace of realization remains. From all angles, Dogen's Genjo Khan pushes us into this practice realization, the realization of our impermanence and the ungraspable nature of realization itself. Not only do we feel far away from its environs, the environs of our Dharma nature, our Buddha nature, our limited self gets caught deeply yearning to awaken because it feels far away from that realm. And it's also pushing away its aversion to suffering. So we set up an additional sense of separation through how we originally conceive of spiritual practice and enlightenment. Our habituated consciousness sees it as a linear quest. We're going from point A to point B, but Dogen insists, Dharma is already correctly transmitted. You are immediately your original self. As expressed earlier in Fukan Zazengi, it is never apart from one, right where one is. Yet also we have to practice. Even if at times it seems ridiculous or frustratingly repetitious or an endlessly prolonged journey with no achievable destination. So in some ways, it's reassuring that in the earlier fastball, Fukan Zazengi, Dogen asks these series of questions. What is the use of going off here and there to practice? And yet, he asserts, if there is the slightest discrepancy, the way is as distant as heaven from earth. If the least like or dislike arises, the mind is lost in confusion. These questions and assertions from the earlier fascicle illuminate the subtle nature of practice, and they help illuminate the strategies that Dogen uses in Genjokon, not to mention throughout the Shobogenzo. Much of the time, we do not feel like our original self or enlightened self. This sense of lack drives us on pushes us further on a spiritual quest, compels us in the seeking of enlightenment. Yet as pointed out in the Genjo Koan, you, when you ride in that boat and you watch the shore, you might assure, assume the shore is moving. But when you keep your eyes closely on the boat, you see that the boat moves. We understand from this metaphor how frequently our habituated consciousness is looking out at the shore, the myriad things out there. But through Zazen and its grounding in the body, heart, and mind, we come back to our original self, to the ongoing practice realization, which is the study of the self, and to realize that nothing at all has unchanging self. Going further, Dogen pushes us practitioners to understand this claim. Nothing at all has unchanging self, but to see and realize this truth existentially, not through just reading the words or hearing them spoken out loud. 
And this pushing us to understand this truth existentially is Genjo Koan, actualizing the fundamental point. Firewood becomes ash, and it does not become firewood again. Yet do not suppose that the ash is future and the firewood past, Dogen declares going forward in the fascicle. If the earlier boat and shore metaphor centers on where we focus our mindful attention, the firewood and ash metaphor clarifies no abiding self. Dogen writes, you should understand that firewood abides in the phenomenal expression of firewood, which fully includes past and future, and is independent of past and future. Ash abides in the phenomenal expression of ash, which fully includes future and past. In this way, Dogen directs us to present moment, only moment, as Thich Nhat Hanh expresses it. In this passage, Dogen simultaneously clarifies our intimacy in time, every moment, and the completeness of birth and death, respectively. His concluding point on this is succinct. Birth is an expression, complete in this moment. Death is an expression, complete in this moment. Again, normally, consciousness perceives a continuum, a linear passage, proceeding from birth to death. And our consciousness witnesses this in living creatures. And so, therefore, it is reinforced in our mind as well. But through the practice of Zazen, we return to this very present moment. As Dogen declares later in the fascicle, when you find the place where you are, practice occurs, actualizing the fundamental point. Here is the place. Here the way unfolds. Habituated consciousness wants to grip that self more tightly as our biological body grips onto life. But our actual experience, when perceived directly with Zazen mind, understands we are only right here where we are, not on some continuum or conveyor belt of time. We are never outside our original self. We are never outside our being time, which includes all myriad things, being time. Dogen declares in perhaps the most poetic passage in Genjo Koan, enlightenment is like the moon reflected in the water. The moon does not get wet, nor is the water broken. Although its light is wide and great, the moon is reflected even in a puddle an inch wide. The whole moon and the entire sky are reflected in dew drops on the grass or even one drop of water. Enlightenment does not divide you, just as the moon does not break the water. You cannot hinder enlightenment, just as a drop of water does not hinder the moon in the sky. The depth of the drop is the height of the moon. Each reflection, however long or short its duration, manifests the vastness of the dewdrop and realizes the limitlessness of the moonlight in the sky. If the opening of Gindra Koan focuses on how all things are Buddha Dharma, Dogen works from his original assertion about sentient beings and Buddhas to a discernment 
about birth and death, finally to this luminous passage about enlightenment. Long has the moon been associated with spiritual clarity in Chinese and Taoist culture. Here, Dogen transforms an initial explicit comparison into a resounding and reassuring declaration. Enlightenment does not divide you. This is one of the most powerful and poignant of the many assertions in the fascicle. It underscores how the profound transformation of enlightenment does not divide or break the practitioner at all. The metaphor reveals further the all-pervading qualities and thoroughly penetrating nature of this enlightenment. We finally observe the complete abiding calm of the moonlight in the water, underscoring the quietude and stillness of realization. One of the most powerful terms in the San Francisco translation that I've been using in my talks centers on the negative assertion, you cannot hinder enlightenment, just as a drop of water does not hinder the moon in the sky. As we saw earlier, to carry yourself forward and experience myriad things is delusion. That myriad things come forth and experience themselves is awakening. In the later poetic passage, the moon is completely unhindered by a drop of water reflecting its light. Each completely manifests its entire self, its whole self, thoroughly interpenetrating one another, manifesting wholly this being time. Dogen concludes the passage, the depth of the drop is the height of the moon. Each reflection, however long or short its duration, manifests the vastness of the dewdrop and realizes the limitlessness of the moonlight in the sky. With this realization, we are home. We have arrived, completely unhindered, completely calm and still. The rest of the fascicle turns to focus on the practitioner and various doubts and methods, etc. But for now, we can abide calmly and quietly, manifesting this experience of interbeing, shining like the moonlight in the water. Thank you. You've been listening to a Dharma talk from Prairie Mountain Zen Center in Longmont, Colorado. To learn more about us or to make a donation, visit us at prairiemountain.org.